Episode 30 of Dads from the Crypt, the Tales from the Crypt podcast. My name is Jason, and tonight I'm joined by Mondo. Hello. And Jody. Hello. And returning to us from a galaxy far, far away, we have Galen Howard. Welcome back. Hello. Thank you for having me. Um, so you've had some big jobs uh, coming on since uh, we've last talked, which I'm sure you're dying to tell us about, but now you can tell us about. Exactly. Yes. Yes. I was. Um, I had to sit. You know. I was. I, I had to to sit on for over a year the fact that I was that that I am on the on uh, two episodes of Book of Boba Fett this um, this uh, premiere season. That's awesome. Congratulations. Oh yeah. Thank you so much. So, when you popped up, when you popped up, I hollered, "That's Galen!" And my wife's like, "Who?" <laughs> he's this guy on my computer yeah. no though i told her who you were just oh yeah he was great he has oh, the cool. best hair in the in all of tatooine yeah i know i did I, I i get they let me keep my uh my, my pandemic hair so that was amazing <laughs> so um tell us how that came about yeah it was um you know it was <laughs> I mean, it's it's one of those stories that there's not there's not a whole lot, um, you know, to the um, you know you know to it. It was, um, um, or I mean, it, it just it came out. It, you know, the the process was fairly simple. It was I, um, well, it, well, it came about during during the pandemic, and you know, I think it was around. I think around October of 2020 that I got the audition and, you know, things were, you know, of, of course there was, there was absolutely nothing for, you know, good part of the year. And I think things, uh, I, there were uh, projects were just beginning to audition around that time in the fall. And so that, um, that came through to me and, um, is, yeah, it was, it was actually, I had, um, I had booked with that casting director before for, um, Agents of Shield, the Marvel show, and yeah. um, and um, so, which was probably one of the one of the only reasons I got the audition because I I don't believe they even um, you know released the auditions. Usually, it's a they usually they'll release the auditions um, um, on you know in the you know in the trades you know the online trades and now and um, but but because the show is. Um, is so top secret. I think they they re- they really just have they for the for the most part they they keep most of the breakdowns hidden and just kind of you know request actors they've seen before. So so I got um I got called in that way and um it, you know it was you know at that point they hadn't even they hadn't even released um the they hadn't even announced the book of Boba Fett at that point. So right. all I all I got in the breakdown was, you know, untitled, untitled Disney Plus, um, uh, Lucasfilm TV show. Mm, so you know, you do the math, yeah. you kind of figure out, okay, there's, <laughs> there's, yeah, they kind kind of narrows it down just a little bit. So I knew, I knew the, obviously the world I was in, and um, 
you know, I think, um, you know, it was the, the, the scene I had was pretty much what you see in the, um, uh, you know, what, what you see in the show, um, you know, playing the, you know, it was the, uh, you know, it was like, I think the role was like desk clerk. Um, <laughs> and, uh, that's, it, yeah, I think that's pretty much what I'm credited as city hall clerk. And we'll have um, to check the box on the action figure when it comes out. So oh, name it. <laughs> Dream <laughs> dreams. Yeah. Um, um, yeah, it was, well, it was funny because the when when I finished when I finished the scene, the director was saying, "Oh, they should make an action figure of you." I was like, "Well, we'll see." Um, but <laughs> well, it's um, like um, Jeans guy in the corner can get an action figure. Hey, everyone, yeah, you know, um, yeah. If they make us, you know, if um, if they make a Commander Porkins, you know, there's mm -hmm. there's hope for everyone. Um, <laughs> but um, yeah, um, and anyway, so um, they. Uh, so yeah, so I just uh, it was you know it was literally two lines. I think at that point I had just a friend of mine read the other uh, read the other lines. Of course, in the script they didn't say they they didn't list it as Boba Fett. It was um, you know I think it, uh, you know it was um, you, you know it was it was like boss or something mm -hmm. like that in mm -hmm. in the script. And then um, um, so uh, so but you know but again you kind of you kind of figure out it's someone in that world. And so, you know, I basically just did it, did it a couple ways, did it a little heightened, did a little, did it kind of flat and, um, just sent that off. Then, um, then about, um, uh, about a, about a week later, you know, I was, um, kind of, uh, you know, put on hold for the part and then offered it. So it was, so that was exciting. At first I thought maybe, maybe it's Mandalorian, but, um, you know, then it's, um, you know, you kind, you know, again, you know, would kind, of, kind of, kind of did, you know, kind of figure, figured out, you know, because at that point, um, you know, Boba Fett was still, you know, you know, had, you know, had, had shown up in season two, so you, you know, there was thought, well, maybe, maybe it's just a continuation of that. There wasn't, you know, was no way to know if it was, um, you know, that he was getting his own series. So, um, so, so that's. Um, um so so that that was pretty much how it uh, how it all came about um the other um the other little bit of drama that um you know kind of happened behind the scenes is that the i i can i can say this now but um the uh, the the week that i um the week that i got uh, got offered the part i also uh, tested positive for covid oh oh no, oh, no. yeah and so thankfully i was booked a month out I and I had and at that time because at that time we also we we didn't know we didn't know how long how long you could have it or what the mm -hmm. severity of it was any of right. that so uh, so I was I was just completely freaked out and you know thankfully I um I got my negative test in time and nice. it yeah. was yeah that <laughs> yeah that was a little bit of extra drama um and that was prob probably the most um yeah, the the scariest part of the whole thing was was just that, but um, but yeah, I mean that's that's basically how it all came about. And then where where did they do the filming? Um, they sh they shot over um, they 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 shoot in a studio in Manhattan Beach. Okay. Yeah. Did they use did did they build the set or is it, I know that I know for some scenes they use like whole LED. So um, it's a combination. They shoot. Mm -hmm. They they use a combination of um, you know they they shoot in what they call the volume, which is what a lot of the, the you know 
a lot of the Marvel films are using now, a lot of the big budget films, which is basically um, it's um, it's basically a digital it's basically the 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 backgrounds are digitally projected. Mm -hmm. So they don't um, they so they don't have to to go into uh, they don't have to. Uh, recreate those in 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 post effects. Okay, uh, yeah, because I knew they do that for the outsourcing. So I wasn't sure how many indoor scenes. Yeah. So basically, yeah. The so when you see that scene, the it, basically anything in the foreground is constructed, mm. and then everything in the background is digital. Okay, yeah, because a lot of scenes are take place in like that casino. So I was trying to figure exactly. out how much of that casino was real and how much. I mean, you can't you can't tell. That's that's the thing. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's it's funny that a. a a crew member told me at one point that the um, uh, the 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 backgrounds were so convincing that one of the COVID officers almost approached one of the background images to tell them to put on their mask. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> I I love that story. That's hilarious. Um, so you got this role, and you obviously you can't tell anyone about it. Correct. So like. Could you tell your mother? <laughs> Could you tell your yeah, roommate? Yeah, I told. I, yeah, I told. Um, I told, and 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 I told anyone in the inner circle, basically. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know, and yeah, that was about just, it. Yeah, it's gonna be a hard thing to say. Like, I'm in Star Wars. It's yeah, yeah, and um, yeah, it was. Uh, it was also really special because my. Um, I mean, I grew up. I mean, everyone, of course, yeah. grew up. No, grew up with Star Wars, but my. Sure. Um, um, my my father was a uh, was a visual artist was a was a sculptor and um, oh. he um, he uh, um, around the time I was born he did a stint on at uh, Lucasfilm on uh, Return of the Jedi in the art department oh cool in the model making department did a number of the uh, did a number of the helmets in That's that really um, cool. so that was so so there was always kind of a there was always kind of a legend of that in the in the family you know it was, there was some it was always something very special about that so that was it was it was really cool to be able to kind of continue that that, that mm -hmm. forward that's awesome that's yeah. very cool, cool. that's really cool yeah congratulations on that and oh, uh, i've been watching the show and having a really good time with it so it's a lot of fun yeah, yeah. i mean it's just it's so cool the you know, the level of world building they're able to do with all of mm -hmm. these um, with, with all of these continuation series. Um, do you have anything else coming up you can talk about or not talk about? <laughs> at the moment, yeah. At the at the moment, um, you know, it's just it, you know the the year's just kind of getting started. I do have a a film I shot a while back called um, called Moon Manor. That's kind of a really cool little um, comedy drama. Um, with a, a um, with a, a wonderful cast, uh, Lou Taylor Pucci, uh, uh, um, Deborah Wilson from Mad TV, Richard Reilly from Office Space, um, and so I've got a got a really fun part in that, and that's coming out at the end of the month. Cool, well, congratulations! Yeah. Thank you. All right, um, before we get to our episode, we do want to talk about our sponsor. Um, we are sponsored by Fright Rags. Um, they make amazing horror sci-fi genre clothing and apparel. Um, right tonight, I want to talk about their socks. Um, they have an amazing collection of horror novelty socks. I'm looking at their website right now. They have Science of the Lamb socks with uh, precious and bottles Ooh. of lotion on them in the basket. Oh, fantastic. 
and they have uh, killer clowns with a clown on it. They have Bella Lugosi socks. They have Elvira socks. They have Tarman socks. Which clown? Like, uh, is it the big clown? Is the it big the tall one? Yeah. Clown? Yeah. 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 I don't know their names, but yeah. Well, the big yeah, one. <laughs> but there's a, there's a fat one. There's the yeah. really tall one. Yeah. The yeah the big one. Yeah. Oh, um, big daddy. Yeah. They're they're really. I, I can say. They are good quality socks because I have some. I, I got the uh, Silent Night Deadly Night a while back. And every Christmas, I just put those on and nobody knows I have killer Santa Claus socks on while I'm <laughs> doing all my Christmasing. Uh, I have their Shot of the Dead socks and they're, they're nice. super comfy. That's yeah. awesome. Now, is that is that Silent Night Deadly Night one or two? Just one. Just they one. don't have one for yeah, two no, yet. But if no they make one, I'll have them. Yeah. Um, so that's just an idea of the uh, great quality and unique clothing you can get at Fright Rags. If you uh, would like to make a purchase, we'd appreciate it. If you use the code CRYPT10, um, you get a discount and it just shows that you uh, listen to the show and that you support us. So we'd really appreciate that. And uh, we thank you for your support. Tonight, we will be discussing Tales from the Crypt episode Top Billing which came out on June 26, 1991. Jody, give us a plot synopsis. All right. And as soon as uh, we start, my video feed cuts out. That's okay, though. You don't need to see me. You can hear me. Um, <laughs> you, so, you make a very handsome gear there. So, so it's Yeah, fine. I'm not sure what's going on there. We'll get it back. It'll All work. Right. Yeah. Anyway, so we start with a really cool uh, masterpiece theater parody intro with uh, the music and the bookshelves and uh, the Crypt Keeper shows up uh, wearing a tuxedo and his little Crypt Keeper feet showing underneath the tuxedo, which anytime the Crypt Keeper's feet show, it's always it's top notch. Uh, he introduces this as masterpieces theater, um, continuing our puns. Uh, and so anyway. Our actual story here, we meet a man, uh, or we start with a woman on the phone. She seems like an agent talking to somebody, and uh, John Lovitz walks in. She calls him Leon, and uh, Leon, she asks, you know, where's Jenny? And Leon says, Jenny's dead, and you're next. And then he goes to strangle the woman with a rope kind of poorly. He doesn't do a very good job of it. Um, he's pretending he's an actor and this is actually an audition, um, but he's wrong for the part. He doesn't have the look. Well, we'll hear that a lot in this episode. He doesn't have the look. And, uh, this guy's real name is Barry. And as he leaves this audition, he runs into a guy he used to live with named Winton. Winton is much more successful. And he says that what Barry really needs is to quit worrying so much about acting which this being a John Lovitz role, I really wish at some point the word acting had come out. It was really disappointing that it didn't, <laughs> but that this was, a, he needs to quit worrying about acting. He needs to quit worrying about, you know, the craft, the starving artist stuff and just take some jobs, change up your appearance, go get some contacts, get some plastic surgery. And, you know, he's making tons of money doing commercials, but Barry sees acting as a craft. He wants to be a real actor. And as the uh, conversation ends, uh, Wenton says, you know, Lisa deserves better than what you're giving her here. So then Barry goes to his agent and his agent says that he's talented, but he needs the look. And he doesn't have the look. And so uh, he should just give up on acting. She fires him as a client and he storms out. Then he gets to his apartment and finds that his girlfriend, Lisa, is also 
abandoning him and moving out with a guy named Bruno, uh, who she met in acting class. Bruno, we shouldn't talk about Bruno. Um, thank you. Uh, <laughs> well, well played. <laughs> he says he loves. He says he loves her, but it it didn't didn't change anything. And then he's also being evicted at the same. So, so Barry Barry is just having a bad day, a very bad day. So he goes to audition for Hamlet at this very, very out of the way theater. So far out of the way that it doesn't seem to be the theater there. There's just a door down an alley. And when he gets there, Winton is also there to audition. He's just trying to make a point to Barry that yeah, he can get acting roles too. What's the big deal? Um, so they're getting ready to leave though, because there's no theater there. When a weirdo theater guy kind of opens the door, his name is Beeks, and he lets them in. Um, we get to see a troupe or a, a group of people putting together a show. There's an actor uh, doing the Yorick scene from Hamlet with the plastic skull. And the director is yelling at him. The director is John Aston, a.k.a. the original Gomez Adams, or as I know him, Harry Anderson's dad from Night Court. Uh, He's got a tiny little mustache and a big furry hat. He's yelling. And it's just every stereotype that you could think of theater actors, which I did some theater acting in high school around some professional actors. And you know what? It's pretty true. A lot of weirdos in the theater. It's fine, though. It's fun. Uh, but the director yells at Beaks that they've lost another one. And uh, doesn't really elaborate on it. He said, I need my props. And then he yells at somebody who an actor who has no roles. He says, You're an actor. I command you to act. There's a lot of fun hamminess in this episode. Yes. So Barry's like, oh, he's a demanding director, but I respect him. And uh, he tells the director he's there to audition. The director yells at everyone to leave, and he brings Barry and went into his office. The director's name is Nelson Halliwell, and they're putting together the most amazing production of Hamlet ever. It's going to leave the people spilling their guts out. Uh, they're so excited. And he chooses Winton for the role based on the look alone, the role of Hamlet. Barry fumes and he watches them prepare the set. He starts stalking Winton and he sneaks up behind him and almost strangles him, but backs out at the very last minute. So Winton kind of mocks him as like, ah, you know, I got this role, you loser. And Barry snaps and strangles him, takes the body backstage, hides it in a laundry cart. So Barry goes up to Halliwell during rehearsal and says Winton had stage fright and left. And uh, Halliwell says, you know, you still don't have the look, but maybe I can just change my interpretation. So we cast him. Then we see Barry running lines backstage uh, when the director and Beeks and the actor we saw earlier, they show up and say, it's time for the final rehearsal. Barry says, well, we haven't had any other rehearsals. Hamlet's a big role. I'm not, uh, I'm not prepared. So, well, you're, you're not the one playing Hamlet. The actor's like, I'm the one playing Hamlet. Didn't you see me running lines earlier? find out that Barry is playing Yorick, the skull on stage in that screen, in that scene. Uh, so Barry runs away. He's figured out these people are insane. And uh, he sees this room marked staff only, starts trying keys, finally gets into the room, and there's a dead man. And uh, you see on the man's shirt that he is an orderly at a home for the criminally insane. And we see lots of other dead bodies. These people, this, there is no theater. There, there are a bunch of escaped, criminally insane mental patients who are running this show. And that's why uh, what keeps disappearing is skulls. 
Uh, Halliwell tells Winton, tells him that Winton looked more of the part, but Barry will have to do. And then he attacks him with an axe as he screams. Uh, then we have a close-up of a bloody skull with one eye in it. The actor playing Hamlet acts out the scene and Halliwell says, well, maybe, maybe he did have the look after all. And the episode ends as the police raid the theater and a dog runs away with Barry's skullless head, which is the coolest effect I've seen on this show. Uh, a very realistic John Lovett's saggy face with no skull in it. So very, very cool ending. Cool. Thank you, Jody. All right, Galen, you're our guest. Why don't you start us off with our discussion? What'd you think? Well, I, um, I, and of course I, and as I've said before, I, I grew up on this show. I, I saw this. Uh, I saw this episode many times. I was um, I was a huge John Lovitz fan of growing up, especially especially due to the um, the 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 animated show The Critic. Yes. Um, so um, I love the Critic. Uh, so I uh, I could not uh, I could not get enough of him, and so I you know I think at that I think I saw this episode. I was probably twelve or thirteen. So I. Um, I already had the acting bug bug at this point, so a lot of it really, um, um, you know, kind of naturally resonated with me even at that age. And I think, um, I and I think this uh, this uh, like like a lot of episodes, this um, you know, there's uh, there's there's a lot of um, there's there's a lot of inconsistencies that you pick up later on. It doesn't this. Um, I this was w- one of my favorite episodes gro- um you know as a kid um now looking back you know you see a lot of you know some of the um some of the plot holes uh, you know s- certain things that don't that don't quite add up but I think um this uh, you know with all of that said this uh, the, this has a um a Todd Holland really really kind of um kind of nails the comic tone of this um, the, you know, the, the look is so, is, is so good. The, you know, the kind of the, the, um, the seed, the, the seediness of, um, of, um, of, of, you know, of, and, and I, I'm, I'm, I'm also, I'm not, I'm not quite sure if it's, if it's, if it's, if it's supposed to be set in, um, in, in LA or New York, but, mm-hmm. um, um, but anyway, you get, but, but you, you get this, uh, that, um you get that uh, that kind of you know the feel of the the feel of the city and how how treacherous it is and how lonely it is for an actor and the the loneliness of the character of the of, of of you know kind of the the life of the actor they really they really nail while maintaining that kind of that kind of perfect um uh, that kind of perfect tongue in cheek um tone throughout and i think um the uh, also the I, I think this is probably one of my favorite casts. I think this is just mm-hmm. the the casting in this is so fun. They've had you know there's, I mean um, you know nearly every actor they cast is recognizable and and um, and uh, you know there's um, you know ev- everyone from everyone from John Lovitz to you know you know who's uh, you know who you know, who is known for his his role as um, Master Thespian on SNL. Um, you have John John Aston from Adam's Family, Louis um, Louise Fletcher from um, from Cuckoo's Nest, which kind of you know it, you know is a is a little bit of a foreshadowing in itself. Um, mm. um, you know for you know for the twist. Um, so it's just 
you know, even you know, down to Paul Benedict from Spinal Tap, and just it's uh, just a just a fantastic cast. Everyone is memorable. Everyone makes them makes the most of their character. There's a lot of these episodes where there's a lot of characters that are just forgettable. Everyone in this in this cast shines, and I I think it's just it, while it doesn't it doesn't hold it doesn't hold up as well as it did when I when when I saw it as a kid. It's it, it the it, it's still so much fun. Yeah, actually, it, this has got to be one of the most interesting casts. Um, Absolutely. <clears throat> I'm going to jump in here because this is probably one of the top Tales of the Crypt episodes of all time for me. This is at least top five, not top three. Uh, I This is the one I remember probably the best uh, watching as a kid. Um, the, the twist is so well done, mm. uh, taking like a classic piece of literature even pop culture everyone knows to be not to be seen like everyone knows that that's your big western kind of giving this great gory twist that's so at the heart of tales from the crypt um the again talking about the cast this was directed by todd holland who did like eerie indiana amazing tales um he was directing episodes of twin peaks around this time he was he did malcolm in the middle um he did the larry sanders show um, he also directed one of my favorite movies as a kid was The Wizard, um, which you know introduced the world to Mario Three. Oh yeah, um, which is a huge deal at the time and the Power <laughs> Glove that. and yeah, everything. I, I, I saw that film in the theater, um, yeah. and I watched that. I don't think I saw. I was pretty sure I saw the video, but I recently cool. watched it just half by happenstance for the first time. It got to be at least 20, 20, 30 years. Yeah, I think it's it actually really heavy. Out, yeah. It's actually really heavy drama with a bunch of. It's basically Rain Man for kids. <laughs> um with all the drama of rain man <laughs> right with, with kids and video games I, I will say that the biggest sin of the wizard though is uh that it made the power glove seem way cooler than it actually was well i i, I think freddie's dead did an even better job of I making think, the power but even like you know it's moving to california 10 years ago you know we drive with the palm springs or the phoenix or wherever you pass by cabazon where those dinosaurs are and every time i'm like oh the wizard <laughs> um and then of course we talk about john lovitz um bruce boxleitner plays winston he was in tron and babylon 5 and a ton of things john astin is legendary um and he's playing so big in this role and it's so yeah. good it's so good um he was also like the original riddler in the batman tv series yep um let's see he was in the killer to- he was in the killer tomato sequels and the cartoon he like he like Somehow got really entrenched in that series, which is amazing. He was in Teen Wolf 2, two The Gremlins 2, also The Frighteners. Yeah, great part um, of that. Louise Fletcher as the agent, which again, I didn't, it just, until you said it, it didn't occur to me, early saying out loud, that that's like a clue into the episode in, in and of itself. Um, did you ever see the cool slasher she did called uh, Strange Behavior back in no, the 80s? No. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's it's actually a really, really good early slasher. Worth, worth yeah. checking out. There's also uh, in The Exorcist too, which is <laughs> interesting, to say the least. That, um, that is not a good slasher film. Yeah, it's not a good slasher. <laughs> That's not a good anything. Yeah. Um, Kimmy Roberts, who plays the girlfriend. She was in How Many Shrunk the Kids. She was in Don't Tell Mom, Babysitter's Dead. She was also in Twin Peaks at the time. She was in The Twi- yeah. uh, the Tick. And she mm-hmm. was the Feather Duster character in Beauty and the Beast. Yeah, she's oh, done. Okay. she's got she went on to do a lot of um a lot of voice work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
And she's then, got one of those awesome voices. Yeah, you always just hearing you know who that is. Also, Paul Benedict, who plays Beaks, has a cool voice. Um, oh, he's great. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he was in This Is Spinal Tap. He was in The Jeffersons. He was a character on Sesame Streets. And his mm-hmm. last role was in uh, A Mighty Wind. I love that. Yeah. And yeah. he also, this is funny, he was also in the Adams Family movie that came out in the 90s. He played the oh. judge. Okay. Oh, oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. And then, he's, uh, yeah. Yeah. He's been, yeah. He was in a bunch of, uh, he was in a number of Christopher Guest movies. He was also in uh, Waiting for Guffman. He's the, mm-hmm. he's the, um, um, he's the gentleman at the end that they mistake, that they mistake for Guffman. Oh, okay. I was wondering yeah. what that was. Yeah, he's yeah, he's great. And this is interesting. So in the background, uh, while they're kind of rehearsing, there's this guy who's playing the grave digger. And that's all he's kind of doing. He's just kind of pretending to dig a grave. And that's played by Bob Larkin, who was in uh, Friday the 13th, part six. Jason lives as a grave digger. <laughs> that's right. Oh, yeah. That's cool. It's a very yeah. specific oh, type of grave digger. So, yeah, so that's that's yeah. a real specific typecast. And what's also interesting is last episode... <laughs> We had Tony Goodwin, who also had a role in uh, Friday the 13th, Part 6. Right. So uh, there's some casting synergy here. The the casting director really liked that movie. Um, But again, overall, a lot of the Tales of the Crypt episodes have to do with a character who wants something. They're being greedy about something or obsessed with something. In most of the episodes, it's about a woman or love or money. You know, those very basic things. That's kind of a very recycled trope in these series. But this is interesting because it goes after more about this guy wants a recognition. He's um, he's going for something greater um, than that. He's going for something a little different. So it's a good, it's even a good twist on the usual Tales from the Crypts uh, tropes that we've seen up to this point. Yeah, um, I mean, he he's he's one of the few times that the you know he he ends up being the bad guy in, in the end because he commits murder and you kind of gets what's coming to him for that. But up until the the actual murder, he's a really sympathetic character. Mm-hmm. Well, and usually it, you don't get that. Usually the bad guys in these episodes are scum from the beginning. Well, and even with the murder, right? I think everyone's seen that person who works in their industry. That's like, I work so hard, and they just have everything handed to them. Mm-hmm. I sure wish I could kill that guy. <laughs> right? There's almost a little bit. Of, there's a little bit of a wish fulfillment there because there's yeah, always someone absolutely. that we there's always someone to covet for their looks or covet for their charm well, or just how easy things come to them sometimes i mean and, that's something we can all relate to and, and, and you know his, his he definitely feels like that um uh, the other guy is definitely devaluing his craft by the way he sure. takes it he doesn't take it seriously he's like mm-hmm. nah, i have this pretty face so they're just gonna book me it's all good right and it's also an interesting commentary on like art versus commerce like mm-hmm can you make art without it being of value to someone or, you know, art for art's sake. So there's exactly. an interesting, some interesting themes that they're kind of throwing in there, but they're, you're not going to great depths on, but it's kind of there. Yeah. As much as you can in 22 in 25 minutes, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> uh, Jordy, what do you think of this episode? Oh man, I, this is a fantastic episode. That cast carries a lot of it for me. Um, John Lovitz is one of those guys who's always fun to see on screen in any role that he's been in. Um, I, I like him anything from, you know, the devil with his little mm-hmm. ears poke, or little horns poking out to the side to uh, the critic was another one of my favorites growing up too. And so it's just, it's fun seeing, seeing him do a more serious role, which I don't think I've seen a whole lot of. He doesn't do a lot of uh, joking around in this. Uh, he's for being such a hammy actor. He may be one of the most restrained characters in this entire episode. It was kind of yeah. fun. Yeah. 
Though, though uh, he is like spouting uh, Shakespeare as he's about to commit murder. That the the, mo- that yeah, the moment. moments that he pulls out a little bit of Shakespeare, you get a little bit of that master thespian in there where he kind of goes over the top. You get just a little bit of that. I, I, I love that. A little peek. That was that. A, yeah, that was just a little nod. Yeah. So yeah, yeah that was kind of fun because you have John Aston going way over the top. As way he should, over the top. And you have John Lovett's kind of reining it in. Yeah. Well, what's really cool is, you know, they, they get to the theater and everything's obviously just super strange. The director's strange. The cast is strange. Everything's kind of weird. But if you've ever been around the backstage of a theater, you're like, yeah, that kind of feels pretty right to me. Like everyone's <laughs> yeah. a little weird here. It's it's normal. Um, so oh, even though the, the alarm bell should be ringing when they get there and they see all this stuff, it's like, okay, this is just the theater. Sure. Uh, this is what yeah. you can expect. It's funny that you mentioned that because, like, when I was in high school, I, I played football, so I was more in the jock circles, but I was also a real geek, so I didn't like relate to them very much. Mm-hmm. So actually, I hung out with the theater crowd much more than the jocks, and I, I just love the um, the oddball characters that you know were yeah. there, and they threw some great parties. <laughs> yeah, I, I was a theater kid, so this this was my crowd. Uh, we we didn't you know take anyone's heads or anything, but. Uh, it was, it was fun. It's, 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 it's a very accepting group of people who can mm. just kind of be themselves. So, or, or put on a face for everybody to try to um, get roles and things like that too. So um, the, the weirdness of that I, I thought was really cool and really fun. And the twist is one of the best twists I think we've seen so far because it, you don't, you, you know, something's weird, but you, I, I never saw the whole thing about them all being criminally insane and this all being really in an asylum. Like that was, that was a cool twist. Yeah. I, I don't remember this episode that well. And it actually kind of took me by surprise at the very, very end of it. I was like, okay, this is cool. Yeah. Yeah. And the script is, it does a really good job because as I was watching it, I'm, I'm, listening to see if they ever mentioned that they're the um, John Lovitz and uh, the other guy were up for the Hamlet role. They never actually say that they're up for Hamlet. Yeah. They're just there for a part. Right. They, so they, they assume it's Hamlet. They, mm-hmm. right. They, they interpret it, but yeah, no, it's, it's just a ton of fun. Um, something else. I, I had something else, but I forgot what it was. Uh, I'll we'll think of it we'll in a minute back. and get back to it. Mondo. What'd you think? Uh, can I nerd out a little bit about, uh, so uh, shout out to Mr. Edom who is my Facebook friend, who was my senior English AP teacher, who kind of made me fall in love with Hamlet. And nice. um, there's a lot of really cool little nods to Hamlet. Obviously, the episode's about Hamlet. Well, it's about Hamlet. But um, so a couple of things in Hamlet, uh, he tells his girlfriend, Ophelia, to have a antic disposition to basically act insane to kind of figure out everybody's plans are. And it's kind of interesting when you see the setting of being, as you find out at the very end, being a mental institution where they're criminally insane. Um, also, Yorick uh, was the was um, Hamlet's father's, uh, mur- his murder's father, his murdered father's, um, it was his uh, court jester. Which it's kind of interesting, John Lovitz being in that role, being the comedic actor, essentially being the person that gets, you know, becomes the skull of York. And he was in his real life, you could call him a court jester based on his roles. And also the, the famous Hamlet speech of the last poor York. I knew him. I knew him, Horatio. Um, that whole speech uh, was kind of Hamlet looking at this person who he knew as a child and watched his whole life. And now this person is a skull buried in the ground. And it's kind of. Uh, the idea of Hamlet facing his own mortality and, and looking at um, 
and kind of seeing the, the, the again the, the the cycle of life how this person was this thriving jovial person and now he's a skull on the ground uh, which can kind of be brought back in this episode and that was kind of the life of uh of john lovett's character uh, so I, I i absolutely adored this episode i didn't see the ending coming it took me by surprise i thought all the performances were fucking amazing uh, again we talk a lot about you have to understand what you're getting into when you take a tale from the crypt roll and everyone here 100 understood the assignment as the kids would say today and they all uh they all killed it especially um especially uh gomez man man he was so much fun in his role and he just looked like he was having a great time too and uh yeah so this is a top tier tales from the crypt episode for me um, hit on all kinds of different levels. I love, I agree with everything you guys have talked about, uh, which is rare that I agree with Jason. So uh, I'm just kidding. <laughs> well, it's interesting because again, I knew, I remembered the twist and yeah. it didn't take away from the episode for me. I, I still extremely enjoyed it. And it's, it's one of those episodes that sometimes the episodes feel a little bit longer than they are. And sometimes they go by really quickly. This one felt like five minutes. It did not feel like 25 minutes. But in all honesty, after knowing the twist, I kind of want to watch it again now. Oh, yeah. Because kind of how Galen was saying, how he picked out a lot of different things. Mm -hmm. um, I think now knowing the ending, I want to go back and watch it and see what I can pick out. If I pick out any illusions or any, you know, fuck ups. Uh, but um, yeah, it's just uh, bravo to everyone involved in this episode. Yeah, I remember what I was going to say. Uh, at the end, the uh, the John Lovett's face laying on the ground, which is such a cool mm -hmm. like special effect. Uh, I've, I keep bringing this guy's name up because every time I look up special effects on any of these episodes, this name Thomas Bellissimo shows up. And uh, this dude, he, I think he's getting better with every episode. <laughs> it keeps bringing cooler and cooler effects in these. Uh, like I said, he he did like the mask and saw. So, you know, he went on to, to big things. But I, it was just one of those we thought the episode was over and then you get that shot of that face laying on the ground. And it's just so good. Like if you're going to make a, a face with an eyeball missing and no skull inside of it and make it look realistic, they somehow managed to do that. Oh. It looked like John Lovett's face. It didn't look it like was, some plaster thing. It was pretty cool. It was yeah. good. It was a very creepy visual too. Yeah. Because you hear the cops, everybody infiltrating the mental institution and they're just kind of zooming in on the face. Yeah. Yeah. And then to have the, um, and then to have the gag of the dog of the dog running into frame mm -hmm, yeah. and, and dragging it off. It's fantastic. Well, and another another level on top of that is that that's one eyed skull is like a homage to the 70s crypt movie, Tales from the Crypt movie. Uh, but the oh, skull okay. with one eye. That's I mean, I'm assuming yeah. that's that's what they're that's what they're talking about. Yeah, that that's uh, that's the cover yeah. of that old movie. Mm -hmm. That could be, too. Yeah. Yeah. So it's just a really, really well thought out episode. Sometimes you feel like they kind of rush through to like get the episode out. Like they have a plot and they put it together, but here I feel like they really thought about as much, lots of different aspects. Yeah, a lot of Easter eggs, a lot of nuance. Yeah. Okay, yeah. I just I, I remember the other thing I was gonna say. Image. <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm scattered today. Uh, no, uh, the whole time because you know there's a twist coming because it's tells from the crypt, and I thought the twist because the director said this whole thing about he wanted to have this like gonna they wanted to blow the audience away leave them like with their guts on the floor all the stuff i thought they were actually doing hamlet and you know in hamlet like most shakespeare everyone dies at the end and so i thought all of the actors were going to get killed on stage as part of the mm. play and that's how like he actually did finally get the role but then he gets murdered on stage as part of the role that that's what it was that i i was expecting that twist but then the other twist 
came back and it was even better. Yeah, I'm, I'm just thinking back to when I watched this. I probably learned more about Shakespeare from this episode than I did from uh, <laughs> school. I mean, Shakespeare's metal as fuck. So like, even <laughs> even the intro to this uh, or to Hamlet is the witches uh, making a, 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 puck, a concoction while they're chanting something wicked this way comes. I think that's Macbeth. Is that Macbeth? Oh, okay, I got it. I got Macbeth and Hamlet and Hamlet mixed up. Damn it. Okay. That, that's my theater kid. This so I got to be McDuff one. I was gonna, I was gonna tag my English teacher on this, but I'm not gonna do it because he'll scold me. <laughs> <laughs> he's also really good at Wordle. I'm just saying, like, uh, he's a, a two guest kind of guy. Ooh, I hate this. <laughs> um, Galen, were there any like acting moments or like uh, life of a struggling acting actor that you uh, related to or you want to point out? Oh, for sure. Um, I mean, yeah. I, I mean, from the from the beginning, the um, 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 the it, you know the 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 process the process of auditioning you know in that in that first scene is um, um, you know, like, um, you know that's it, that 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 in itself is um, you know there's you know there's always the joke that it's you know you um. You act for free and you get paid to audition, and that's that's pretty that, that that's pretty much what your job is um, as an actor is that you know the, you know the the work is getting the work, and um, so the the audition process is um, they they certainly um, they certainly nailed that as far as just uh, just how um, how humiliating it can be how just uh, how just soul crushing it can be to. Um, to put, especially when, um, especially when you're first starting out and you you have the and you you put all of this preparation into the into the work you you fall in love with the character you're auditioning for and then you and then you 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 do the part you usually you know and you know they they elaborate on this for dramatic effect but they won't even say like oh you're not right for the part you're or whatever they'll just say they'll just say thank you next. You know, yeah. and that's that's pretty Damn. much all you get, and so that um, so but but the essence of it is spot on. Is that it's it, you, um, you put um, you put all your you you put your your heart into the work, and then um, and then yeah, it's it, you you might be you might be right for you might be right for the part. You might you as as they as they said in the part as they said in the room. You you might you know you're. You're not um you're not tall enough. You're not they want someone they they want someone taller to um they want someone taller you know to pair up with another act with 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 another co-star or someone shorter or anything. It has it has absolutely nothing to do with you. And so um when he talks about uh, when he emphasizes, you know, the the joke of you know I have talent, and his agent says, "Yeah, talent's nice too," um, and and that there is some truth to that. It's it's assumed that you have talent as an actor if you're in the business, you know. That's um, uh, and, and it re it really there's so much about it. There's so much that goes into the casting process that really has nothing to do with your acting. 
So I think they and so they're they really kind of they're, the the that that aspect of it is is kind of spot on, you know. It is a lot of a lot of it is about the look, you know. You're because again, here if you if you're auditioning for the part, and especially these days as an actor, you um when when you're when you're submitted for a part, you know, sometimes there there can be easily you know, over a thousand people that are submitted for that role, and so to to get an audition, to get be the one out of the the one of ten twenty people who get the audition is like winning the lottery. So in in and of itself, and then um, so to go through that to go through that process at, at that point, you know, when you're in that top ten, you're um you know you 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 basically you basically are one of the top actors that they've that they're considering for for that part so you know it so 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 you are you do have you know it, it's obvious you have talent at that point so um so i think um so that 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 whole aspect of it i think they got they they just got spot on great uh jody do you want to uh compare it to the comic yeah, so this came from The Vault of Horror, uh, number 39. It was written by Carl Wessler and drawn by Reed Crandall. And uh, so it's it's got the same basic concept, but uh, it's set, what, late 1800s or so, right. early 1900s. It's, it's kind of hard to, to nail it down, but uh, it, it's in that time that a lot of the Tales from the Crypt type stories are set in the comics. Uh, in this, a trio of actors stumbles across the Wolfham Theater. Uh, they're looking for work and they all want to go in there and see if there's any work at this theater. And they find a production of Hamlet and dress rehearsal. And Winton's kind of the bold one. And he goes up and asks the director for a part. And he says, I have a small one, but uh, it's important. So uh, you can have the part. Uh, just like in the show, Barry gets jealous and kills him and says that he left. Uh, but in this there, like I said, there was a trio of actors. And so the director then gives the role to the other guy who's not Barry uh, named Nash and uh, went or Barry kills him too. And he finally gets the part. And uh, while he's in the dressing room, there's an old man there who is collecting and he shows him what he's collecting. He's got a sack full of human heads and uh, Barry just kind of like brushes it off. Like, Oh, maybe I'm going crazy, which I don't know how you brush that off. <laughs> sack full of heads. Uh, he, he, he opens a window and is like, ah, some fresh air. I feel a little better now. Well, he said he hasn't he's, eaten in a couple of days, so he's just a little hangry. <laughs> you know, when I when I'm hungry, I always see old men with bags of heads walking around my house. That may be a problem. Um, <laughs> that happens. Anyway. Eat eat a Snickers, you'll be fine. Yeah, <laughs> eat a Snickers. Mm -hmm. yeah. or his, a blood sugar, his blood sugar was a little low. <laughs> sure, uh, but then the director comes in and does you know tells him he'll be playing the skull, and then we see this all took place at the Wolfham Insane Asylum for Actors. So I just. <laughs> I just thought, you know, it was cool that uh, actors got their own insane asylum. Like that was that was really considerate. Is there going to be right, a insane yeah. asylum for uh, IT consultants? I'm, I'm I'm sure if there was an insane asylum for actors, they probably would never be empty. I'm, I'm sure that there are folks oh, yeah. who could use that yeah, spot. Absolutely, it's yeah, yeah. In a way, yeah. In a way, it's kind of redundant. You know, you just it, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And yeah, and yeah. I I guess. I guess there, yeah, there was probably there was probably enough of them there that they just had to give them their own wing, you know. <laughs> anyway, yes, yeah, it's you know, it's it's pretty much the same story, but uh, I was I was amused by the insane asylum for actors at the end. 
and obviously you know the in the comic they have two different guys who take the role first and that would get a little long in a 25 minute show so trim out one of those extraneous friends and uh give Winton a bigger part and uh, yeah well yeah yeah it it works to have the it works to have the rivalry between the two mm -hmm. yeah and then it gives them it gives them room to kind of flesh out uh, Barry's character more right and I think that's one thing a lot of times they do with the comic is they'll they'll take out any of the extra stuff and add in a little more character work and uh, th- that's definitely what they did here is more really more character for Barry, more for Winton. Uh, everyone got a little bit bigger role because in, in the comic, he gets the part and Barry instantly gets jealous and kills him about two panels later. Like I, <laughs> you just assume Barry's homicidal. Uh, but here you see that Barry's kind of been driven to it by Winton's uh, assholery, basically. Yeah, well, I did Pretty like much, how yeah. they had the um, they had the director in it as well as kind of a big yes. character. It was like a yeah. big eccentric yeah, and the comic, the director is just kind of a typical, like, tells from the crypt, sweaty looking dude, kind of uh, ragged and sweaty. There, there's a lot of sweat in these comics. Oh yeah, yeah. You didn't get you didn't get the John Aston with his furry hat. All right. Any uh, closing thoughts on this episode? Oh yeah, I th- um, ag- um again yeah yeah this. Uh, uh, this uh, this episode really uh, really nails the tongue in cheek aspect of it. The one the, the the one thing that I thought was amusing was um, um, in the in the beginning when um, when 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 they kind of set up the um, um, they they kind of they set up this uh, the the sort of the um, um, the the false setup in the beginning, mm-hmm. if, um, you know, when he enters the room and it turns out to be an audition, and she's, and and the the casting director is just on the phone giving this, you know, giving all of this, um, uh, this this entire conversation on the phone, presumably in the script, and <laughs> the you know the fact that she gives him this this whole lead in, um, you know, as he enters the room, which would never happen. I mean, in yeah. the, uh, you know, you you would just you would just enter the you would just enter the office, you'd introduce yourself, you'd give the line. So to to have her just be um, reciting the script as he enters the room was just a, was a little silly. But um, you know they they kind of took some uh, creative liberties there. Yeah. I, also, I don't think we mentioned it, but the uh, the casting director is played by Sandra Bernhard, so that's oh, another yes. you know great actor. Comedian yes. Sandra Bernhard, king of comedy. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, um, also uh, also a film about a struggling performer. Um, <laughs> yeah. So yeah, that yeah, she's she's fantastic in everything she does. Um, the other, you know, again, not to nitpick, but uh, when he's um, when he does um, when he does discover the um, the um, the body in the um, um, in the office, um, you know, the, at that point, the you would think that at that point, he, the smell would be overwhelming. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. He, he would have um, there. There would. Um, there, there would be an overpowering smell emanating from that office. Um, well, and he, he does, he does pick up a phone in that office, and somebody's like, "Hey, is everything okay?" And he just kind of like backs up against the wall and doesn't say anything. That would be the time to go. No, everything's real bad. Yeah. Come help. <laughs> yeah. yeah, help. Yeah, yeah, help, 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 help. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, <laughs> but yeah, but then they, yeah, they, um, they give us a the theatricality of him, um, uh, of. 
of, of him cling to the uh, you know cling to the cell bars as he uh, um, as he gets axed. The very shiny axe, by the way, very new axe, I think. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, they probably they've probably been through a couple if they've uh, if they've taken a few heads. They take good care of their instruments. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. All right. Uh, I pretty much can guess what we're going to give this episode, but Galen, what do you rate this episode? Scale one to five. I give this a four and a half for sure. Um, this is um, again, yeah. Again, still, uh, you know, um, despite despite some of the inconsistencies, this is you know, this was one of my, as I said, one of my one of my favorite episodes growing up, and I think it's still it still really holds up on uh, you know for the most part the um, tongue in cheek aspects of it really really carry. So yeah, four point five. All right, Judy. Uh, I'm going all the way up to a five with this one. Uh, I've given more fives this season than I ever have before. And, uh, I, I just, I feel like we're hitting a peak right now and oh, yeah. that makes me worried because I don't remember what the later seasons are like, but right oh, now well, yeah, I'm, I'm enjoying, yeah, I feel the same. They're not great, but <laughs> uh, yeah. once you get, uh, yeah. Once you get into six and seven, there's, it can, yeah. there's some ups. I'm, I'm enjoying it where we're at right now because it's just hit after hit right now. And so, I'm not going to think about the future. Just kind of live in this moment and uh, keep watching the ones that we're on. It, it, it's, it's like right now we're listening to Ride the Lightning and Master of Puppets. And, <laughs> oh, yeah. But we know that load is right around the corner. I will go the bat for load. I will. That's a hill I'll die on. You're the guy. I'm the guy. Mondo, what do you give this episode? We're going to give us one of five. I absolutely loved it. And you want to know what? After a long ass. 24 hours i watched it right i got home from the airport and i'm thinking like oh, god i gotta slog this episode and it uh it brought my spirits up made me happy so yes. if, it, if it does that i'm a i'm a happy camper it's a fun one yeah yeah i'm gonna give this like a five plus five with a star uh, no 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 we can't <laughs> you can't break the rating scale because if you do that you mess everything up i know i just this is like the one i want to flag is like you know when people ask me what, what my favorite episode is it's like this has got to be at least up there. It might not be the best, 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 but it's right there. Um, okay, that wraps up our review. Um, Mondo, what's our song of the day? All right, and, uh, so why don't you tell us about your concert? Oh, I went to um, Los Angeles to watch one of my favorite artists in the world, Amigo the Devil. Oh, uh, fun! Yeah, just at, at the Belasco in Los Angeles. We flew out there yesterday. Uh, Went to some breweries, had a little bit too much alcohol, paid way too much money for alcohol, and uh, had uh, saw on the best shows, at least top five I've ever seen in my life. Wow. And that's a lot of concerts. I'd probably go top three even, um, but it might be some recency bias. But it was the first time he ever actually played with a full band. Um, he's always done just a solo show by himself. Right. Uh, just a phenomenal show. Had the best time. Um, flew home today, and uh, I'm not in the best shape. <laughs> I'm just gonna put. It, I'm just gonna put it that way. Uh, my back hurts. My knees hurt. My feet hurt. Uh, but wouldn't trade it for the world, man. Like, yeah, you can always, you can always make more money. You can always, whatever. But you, you can't always make new experiences. So, it was cool and well worth it. So I was gonna pick a song by him, but um, I had to go with. Uh, uh, there's a little band that you may have heard of. You may not have heard of. They're 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 not that well known. They're called Iron Maiden. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> shout out to Ozzy Andy 
shout out, shout out to Andy. Yeah. And, and their seventh record was aptly titled Seventh Son of a Seventh Son, um, actually based off the Orson Scott Card novel, uh, Seventh Son. Hmm. Um, uh, but one of my favorite songs on the record, I think it was one of the singles on the record, was uh, The Evil That Men Do. Yeah. And the reason why oh. I picked that song is that it's actually taken that the title is taken from um, Shakespeare, uh, from Julius Caesar, uh, when he's um, addressing the Romans after uh, Caesar got murdered. Uh, Marcus Antonius goes, uh, the evil that men do lives after them. The good is often interred uh, with their bones. And it took the name, the evil that men do based on the Shakespeare quotes. So I sticking with Shakespeare. I uh, had to go with uh, with Iron Maiden, um, who just released Senjutsu last year, which is one of my favorite albums of the year. One of my, I wouldn't say my favorite Iron Maiden album because probably my top two are actually Stranger in a Strange Land, followed closely by uh, Seven Sun. Um, but if you don't know Iron Maiden is at this point, like, come on, go check them out. Mono, speaking of uh, best albums, uh, you did a list recently, didn't you? Yeah, I did a. You can find it on bloodygoodhorror.com if you want to see my top albums of last year. And and realistically, like I, I said this in my opening paragraph, I'm not a big fan of top 10 lists because it's all my bias. It's all things that I love and like. And I'm sure, like, if most people, if they saw the top 10 lists, they'd say, What the fuck is this? This band's not good. This band's not good. This is just noise, but it's the things that, uh, that I love. So hopefully That's... people can check it out and maybe discover a new song or a new band they like. It's Mondo's list. Exactly. Which was, I'm okay uh, with. Yeah, it was a great article. So good stuff Thank to you. listen to. I appreciate that, sir. All right. Let's move on to our trivia of the day, Jody. All right. So uh, Mondo has been talking about Shakespeare uh, quite a bit tonight, which, you know, honestly, I'm impressed with your Shakespeare knowledge. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm, I'm really impressed. I was going to say part, part, I actually have two trivia things here. And uh, one of them is that I got an A on my sophomore English report on Hamlet, even though I never actually read the play. So, <laughs> oh, shit. Were you, what, what was that called? Cra- Craig's notes? I, I, don't Craig's remember, list. I don't remember what no, I did. Oh, it was, uh, a cliff notes. Spark notes. Spark notes. Yeah. Yeah. Notes, yeah. Notes, yeah it yeah. may have been some cliff notes. I, I don't remember, but I, I, I know. There were many things uh, that I didn't do in high school, but I could write a paper. I could pull off a paper <laughs> even without any knowledge. But I'm going to talk about a different kind of theater because uh, it, it kind of goes with what I thought was going to happen in this episode. The Theater de Grand Guignol. Uh, are you familiar with the Grand Guignol? Not by name. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Enlighten so it's us. A th- it's a theater that opened up in uh, Paris in 1920. And uh, what they did, they started off just doing kind of melodramas. And um, in one of the shows, there was a scene where they plucked out somebody's eyeball and they were like, oh, let's let's make this really cool special effect. And the audience ate it up. So they were like, oh, people like blood and guts. And so the theater became known for doing all of these short horror stories with uh, they were based on like real life uh, crimes and things like that and they had all these special effects uh so they'd have staging techniques where they'd have uh, like gouged eyeballs that would fly out at the audience or spurting blood heads would get chopped off uh one thing they really liked doing was making acid melt faces and they'd put stuff on someone's face with like red on the other side of it and pull it off so it looked like they were ripping off layers of skin this is 1920 okay blood blood and guts have always sold it's always been a popular form of entertainment. Oh yeah, and uh, <laughs> and in addition to all of this, in the mid, like between the big uh, murder set pieces and the little crime dramas, 
uh, they would uh, have uh, little one act sex farces. And uh, so sex and violence, uh, which is your classic combination for uh, horror movies and slasher movies and tales from the crypt, even um, that's that sold in 1920. It's sold in the comics in the 1950s. It's sold in the slashers in the 1980s. And uh, it continues to be a pretty uh, safe bet. If you want to make a movie that people are going to see, little sex and violence will get you there. And, and didn't I think H.G. Lewis took a uh, what movie did he do? That was uh, the Wizard of Gore. Wizard of Gore. Wizard yeah. of Gore is, yeah, Wizard Gore is kind of like that. Based on that idea. Yeah. And, and even to a to a different extent, uh, Bloodsucking Freaks. Bloodsucking Freaks. Yes, I thought yeah. of you, Father. Yeah. Uh, I like it. Very cool. Yeah. I, I did find out it, in, in the back. They also had private booths that you could watch the movie in where you could or watch the show, the play. Mm-hmm where you could see out, but the people could not see in. And apparently uh, couples would go to the shows and take full advantage of that privacy. I don't know whether it was the uh, little sex farces or the uh, blood and guts that got them turned on, but apparently people would actually have to knock on the door and be like, are you done in there yet? And uh, then that's when the people would come out. So anyone who says like, you know, the world's getting so much worse these days and people just don't have more. They never did. <laughs> Things have always been crazy. And you, people have always enjoyed weird entertainment. Can you elaborate on taking full advantage of? Because I'm not quite sure what you meant. I'm just telling you what the article said. It said they took full advantage of it and they would lock the doors and people would knock and ask, are you done? Uh, before they would open the doors. So there. <laughs> Paris, 1920. It only There's, lasted for a couple of years. There was protest, shockingly. Hey, it was it was it was the uh, the Roaring Twenties, as I said. That's right. Yeah. Um, uh, one of the things that pops out to me is that um, for as notorious as Tales of the Crypt is for some of its content, sex-wise, it's actually very tame. Usually. Yeah. Every now and then. Every now and then. Yeah, but I'm just saying, like, HBO, HBO, you know boobs or something but you know there's not right. a ton like yeah for what yeah, came yeah. like within like uh game of thrones it's like oh yeah oh yeah yeah there's definitely uh, there's definitely some nudity but you know th- yeah they they usually will um a lot of their sex scenes are implied or mm-hmm. you know it'll uh, you know kind of cut to shadows or you know or well, or, thing, or what you hear behind a door yeah, one thing I've noticed a lot of times just when there is a sex scene, it's played for comedy. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it's not actually like trying to be sexy. Like uh, in the episode we watched last week, like they're up on top of a coffin while a man's inside it going into the oh, crematorium. Okay. Like, yes. you know, yeah. it's it's great. It's a great little scene. Oh, yeah. Uh, that seems great. But they did have that reputation enough that uh, Demon Knight opens with the whole fake uh, Tales from yeah. the Crypt episode that is full out what people thought Tales from the Crypt was. So, yeah, exactly. Maybe it's just the reputation that parents had for the show. <laughs> yeah. No, it's, it's interesting. Yeah. Um, this, this isn't the Red Shoes Diaries. Well, exactly. Exactly. Um, I actually, there was one bit of trivia I thought was interesting about this, about this um, episode is the. Um, the writer of this film was a guy named uh, Miles Berkowitz, who um, was a, a, um, a struggling actor and writer. And in the um, the late '90s, he um, he wrote and directed and starred in a a, mocu- a low budget mockumentary film. Uh, I think he made for like sixty grand um, called uh, Twenty Dates that uh, became a big festival hit oh, and yeah. and uh, got that. um and got distri- and got distributed by um, uh, Fox Searchlight 
and um, kind of made a made a little splash for him, and then he has completely disappeared since. <laughs> oh wow! Yeah, that's so. is that the movie where it's like where it's kind of a reality where he's going on he go he films exactly. himself going on twenty dates. Exactly. He cha- he challenges him to go on twenty dates, and then like in twenty and days then or he falls, crazy, yeah. uh, Then he. And then he ends up falling in love with one of them, one of them while he still has, well, he still has the rest of the, the, the 20 day challenge to complete. So, oh, yeah, yeah but God. yeah, but I, I thought that was interesting to, you know, uh, you know, to kind of mirror the character in this of, you know, the character, the, uh, the, the character is struggling for his big break and then disappearing. Which is wow. kind of what yeah. he did. <laughs> you That's just crazy. sent me on a whole like nostalgia spiral because I haven't thought about that movie in so long. Yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, okay. a lot of people haven't. But yeah, it kind of made a splash and then disappeared. Okay, I'm gonna go find that. I'm gonna yeah. check that out. Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah, I'm curious how that holds up. Okay, and that moves us to our advice section. And Galen, uh, we uh, wanted to have you back on as well to give some acting advice on, like, you know, how to break into the industry, how to kind of get yourself started. What would you tell a young, struggling actor aspiring to get in? Yeah, I mean, I what? Well, yeah, related to this because you know, um, um, and especially related to this is a big, a big lesson for me is. Um, you know, you know, we see uh, John Lovett's character Barry just, uh, you know, basically feeling like um, he's not he he hasn't gotten his shot. He has all of this talent, and he doesn't have his shot. And I think the biggest um, the biggest thing to for uh, you know th- that I would tell anyone is um, uh, that you know the thing to remember is that no one no one in this industry owes you anything. You know, we're all in here, uh, you know, you know, trying to, you know, struggling. Everyone's, uh, everyone's coming. Everyone's, you know, put their put their life into this. You know, made made incredible sacrifices um, and um, given up everything to pursue their dream. And you know, it's you know, a lot of people would tell me, you know, when you're complaining, it's like no one asked you to be an actor. You know, so it, you know you. You're, you you have to be grateful for every opportunity you have and then and, you know, and then just and then just keep working because again nobody nobody owes you that big break you know no one you know it's not like it's I mean that's why that's why you know it's you know I, I, I tell people if there's if there's something you're if there's something you enjoy doing just as much you know do that instead because you're you're not gonna be you're not gonna have uh you're not gonna come into an um an industry that's more challenging, you know, you know, it's not, you know, it's not like other industries where it's, um, you know, your rate of success is, uh, um, it, you know, the ratio of success is, is compared to the amount of work you put into it. It's, you know, you know, people struggle, people, um, people put their whole lives into it. And sometimes, you know, it can be years before you get your first break. And so I think it's, um, you know, you, you know, you, you, uh, you know, um, you, you have to, you have to love it more than anything. Otherwise it's not worth it. You know, one of the favorite, my favorite things, not favorite things, one of the things I always find very interesting is people who like in later, later in life break through as like, and then they have like kind of the, they like reached a certain stage. I'm trying to think of a example, but like yeah. someone well, who reaches I think, like yeah. 50 and suddenly they're getting roles because somehow they fit what casting directors are looking for for a 50 year old yeah well, I, I think a perfect example is um this uh, this 
this last year, the um, if, if any if any of you saw um, the movie Sound of Metal, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. the um, the actor Paul Racy who played the um, the who who played the the um, the rehab director yeah. um, who got nominated for an Oscar after um, after years of playing bit parts, and he was seventy when he then that he got his big break at seventy after years of just playing you know one or two line roles. And sometimes and the role and the person just have to line up at the right they time. Just and... lined up, yeah. And so, like, yeah. And that, and that part was, and in that case, that part was perfect for him because he was a, um, because, because um, he was a coda. He was a child of, uh, uh, of deaf adults, and so he, um, and so it was, it was that, it, you know, he basically lived his whole life until that right role came for him. You know, and it's like you don't know what. You don't know what's, uh, you know, what the fates have in store for you. So you, you came up with a really like classy example. I was thinking of the old lady from Happy Gilmore. Like, yeah, <laughs> she suddenly yeah. bust out. Uh, oh, right yeah. Oh, right. Um, Frances yeah. Bay. Yeah. Uh, like a, she was a, in everything for a while there. Just and, uh, an well, older and our last and, and the last episode of Tales I was on. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's right. Uh, Judy, you're not yourself this morning. She mm-hmm. played the witch. Yeah. So she's one of these people who had a lot of little bit roles and that all of a sudden in the um, late 90s, she was in a ton of stuff playing yeah. kind of a funky grandma. Like that was her right. whole thing for a while. So, well, there, yeah, there are a couple of get those. Your moment. Are, yeah. <laughs> a lot of those people actually in another, um, in, in an, um, another woman, Ellen Albertini, who was the, um, who was the rapping grandmother in another Adam Sandler movie, Wedding Singer. Yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And she was one who kind of, you know, had her big break in her 80s. Yeah. Yeah. It's never too late. Never too no, late. No, never too late. Okay. Uh, anything else we want to discuss before we wrap up? No, we're good. I got nothing. I'm good. Yeah, right. I got nothing. I'm just, yeah. yeah. Such okay. a great episode. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, Galen, thank you so much for coming on. Yeah, thank uh, you. Yes, oh, absolutely. yeah. It's great to come back. You know, as I've said, this is my favorite tv show of all time so um it's great to great to discuss um i i love i can nerd out about this show endlessly so always a pleasure oh we'd love to have you back again too i'm, I'm just yes. talking for all of us where can people follow you find you, what do you um, yeah you can find me on instagram that's where i'm on the most at um at galen howard and you can um, find me uh, search Galen Howard on Twitter. You can find me there too. But uh, but yeah, I am out there. Okay. Well, next week we will be reviewing the weight. Uh, we would really appreciate it if you, our listener, would give us a rating and review on iTunes and a rating on Spotify. And with that, we thank you for listening to Dads from the Crypt. <laughs> Follow Dads from the Crypt on Facebook. Twitter and Instagram, or I will follow you to the grave. <laughs> no, seriously, you really should watch, but be careful what you ask for. You may get it. <laughs>